we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. I just want to let that settle in for a minute and just let it sit there for a second. And the reason is so that you'll always have it there. If you ever just want to go back to the preamble of the United States Constitution, it'll be there. You can just come right back to this episode. And this is Gene, by the way. Welcome back to Talk of the Now podcast, the Talk of the Now podcast with Gene. And I just wanted to do a one-off on the preamble of the Constitution of the, the United States. And, you know, not that I want to make this a long one. It's going to be a pretty short one. But I think that I actually want to do a verbatim reading of the Constitution of the United States one day, just so that it'll be out there. Maybe someone just wants to hear it as they drive. You know, they just want to going to take a you know few-minute drive or whatever, and they just want to hear the actual reading of the Constitution of the United States for whatever reason. And, you know, if hopefully there's no, uh, (laughs) hopefully there's no laws against me doing that. If there are, feel free to let me know and I gladly take it down iTunes or whoever's hearing this. But anyway, that's something that I wanted to do. The last time I did one of these one-offs was about the Mayflower and the impact that it had on America and just how thankful I am about the Mayflower and you know, the Plymouth Colony, the Pilgrims coming over, you know, in a lot of ways, and I know this isn't true for a lot of people in America or anywhere, you know, you wouldn't consider yourself a pilgrim. If you were transported back in time, you wouldn't consider yourself someone that would probably go along with the pilgrims. As a matter of fact, I imagine just as in those days when half of the boat of the Mayflower were not pilgrims, I forget what exactly they called them themselves or were called or referred to, but they were not pilgrims. Many of them, I would assume, were not even religious or irreligious. At the best, maybe agnostic to some extent. But pilgrim-wise, you know, I don't know that I would even go along with everything that the pilgrims believed in that time, period. Like if I were to be transferred, transformed back into time and sat there with the pilgrims, would I, would I you know, go up, become part of their you know, Plymouth Plantation and say, hey, I'm, I'm one of you guys. I'm one of y'all. I'm here to be part of this group and I'm glad to be a part. I go along with every way you do worship, with every way that you, you know, think and doctrine-wise look to God. And I, I don't know. I mean, what little I've read and heard, I think that I they would, I would, probably agree with them on many things. Um you know, the mention I mentioned the last time about a um, PBS special, the American experience they had. And one of the, you know, some of the crazier things that happened back then were, you know, they were they were attacked by Indians when they first came over. You know, a lot of the natives just attacked them, and um, not all of them. Some of them actually became their friends, as you'll find out. But so they had to be, you know, back and forth to seeing, are you friend or foe? And they said that one of the things that I never knew or had forgotten that I learned was that 
they had gotten into a dispute with some of the Indians, and something happened to where basically the the Pilgrims wanted to stay. Hey, look, you're staying away. This is Pil- This is the Plymouth Colony, and you're staying away. So they basically, for whatever reason, a um, a tribesman was killed, and they stuck his head on a stake and put it in front of the colony entrance, I guess. And that was basically a warning sign to other tribes to stay away. You know, we mean business. We're here to stay. Don't mess with us. I think basically to say, don't mess with us. And, you know, you you think about things in a 21st century context. It's hard to look back on 1620 or whatever day that was and, and think, how would I act during that time period? You know, what? You know, if I was alive then, most likely you you'd probably go along with a lot of things that they did back then. But kind of going off on the the trail of what I really want to talk about, which of course was the preamble of the Constitution. You know, we got into a little bit of what happened with the Mayflower, and you know, you you look at the big dates for when America was started and how it started and how it came about. We have. August 3rd, 1492, that's Columbus selling out for the first voyage. Fast forward to 1513, when Ponce de Leon, or Ponce de Leon, a lot of times in Georgia we'll say Ponce de de Leon, we have a road called Ponce de Leon, you don't come here and you say Ponce de Leon, I mean you do say Ponce de Leon, you won't say Ponce de Leon, somebody might look at you sideways if you did that. Uh, December 20th, I'm reading through some of these lists here, 1606, the Virginia settlers made the Virginia colony. They left London to establish the first permanent English settlement in North America. But think about this. How often do you think about Jamestown, Virginia, over Plymouth, and what happened in 1619, which is 12 years later? You know, 12 years later, you've got the first Thanksgiving. That's usually when I've always associated you know, Thanksgiving, being thankful for our forefathers, for the people that came before us to establish the, the nation of America. And that's where I usually start, start. You just don't think about the Jamestown settlement. And the Jamestown settlement, and, you know, and I'm no historical expert on this, but I tend to look at them as more of a, they were the businessmen, if you will. I mean, they were going there to establish England and North America in some ways, you know, going there to basically bring the Anglican church to that area, you know, and everything that came along after that, whether it be slavery and um, all the different things that became, that was part of the melting pot of what would become America eventually. But we look back and we think, I mean, we celebrate Thanksgiving every year. Even people that could care less, they think about Thanksgiving. They celebrate Thanksgiving, whether it be you know, falling asleep on a couch and eating good food. I mean, that's how I would imagine a lot of people think about Thanksgiving. But then you move on forward from there. You got the French and Indian War, 1689. I'm sorry, when the French declares war on Britain, 1689. Then you have the the English Parliament adopts the Bill of Rights, 1669. Then in 1704, you have the French-Indian forces destroy Deerfield, Deerfield, Massachusetts, and you move on from there. And over that, that period of the 1700s is when the colonies are establishing themselves 
into their own, right? And eventually I will try to get more into the revolution because that's something I've been trying to read more and more about. Um, the, the book 1776 is a great book that I'm wanting to get more back into and read. I've read a, a couple of chapters of it, but uh, I think that's a great book to read in regard to that, as well as a few others. Um, a History of the American People is one that I've been diving into by a English Catholic author named Paul Johnson. It's really good. It's a heavy book. It's over 900 pages, but it's really good. Um, but anyway, leading up to that point, we have First Continental Congress, Second Continental Congress, all that leading up to what would become the Constitution of the United States and the preamble. And I'm going to read it again just for emphasis. And I think I'm going to do it three times because a lot of times in the Bible, <laughs> when you get to like verses that Jesus you know, may have said something, he would say something with emphasis by saying it three times. And apparently I think that was a Jewish or um, thing back in the, um, you know, back in those days of just, you would say something three times for emphasis. And that's why I want to do that, just for the emphasis of it. So we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. You know, just looking at that in so many words, you know, one sentence, I don't know how many words exactly it is, but it just packs such a big punch, you know? It just, it brings home many things. And from there, you get all the other things, you know, the articles, the um, the Bill of Rights, so forth. I mean, just look at Article 1. All legislative power herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. And we look at that and we take advantage of it. We take advantage of the fact that we have these two houses of representatives. You know, these things didn't just appear out of nowhere. They didn't just come just because, you know, we as Christians, a lot of times we think we know, you know, God created. He created the mountains, the sky, the the valleys, the water. And in a sense, you know, in God's providence, yes, the, the powers here and granted were vested in a Congress of the United States. That was created by men during that time, that decided we want to establish this. We want to have a constitution. We want, this is, we need to do government and this is how we're going to establish it. And so they decided to do it that way. They could have done it any other way. I mean, they were, there were people doing it all kinds of other ways and all kinds of other places. For centuries, thousands of years, they were doing that. And you think about America, and a lot of times it's called the Great Experiment. Maybe the greatest experiment. And what it, I mean, is the is the experiment capitalism? Is the experiment semi-socialism? At times, is it? Think of what, think of it however you want to think of it. But know that we are still in that experiment. Um, any country that has gone through revolutions, you know, you're in, you're in an experiment 
no matter what you think. Now, granted, we are in an experiment that may only last a certain time period. Ours is a Ours has been established and going for over 200, nearly 250 years. And that's pretty remarkable. And I've heard the quotes that no democracy or, you know, free republic, however you want to say it, has ever lasted more than 200 years or something of that nature. I'm not exactly sure. But it's still remarkable to think about, you know, that we take advantage of um, the freedoms that we have. And that's not to overlook you know, the things that um, have happened, you know, this being 2021, we're all very aware of the um, social disruptions, dialogue, and things that happened in 2020, which that's a whole argument of itself. You know, there's, there's always going to be people on both sides of that. You know, people that think that, you know, maybe America has been flawed from its inception, shouldn't even exist. And that's fine. That's how people want. It. That's how some people want to think, and that is perfectly their right. But here's the thing: you were given that right because of this, this Constitution, these four founding fathers, these people that came together. They, in essence, decided that we would give these people the right to have that freedom to say we hate republicanism, we hate democracy, however you want to say it. They gave people the right to do that. And a lot of other countries, even at this day, you cannot go before your government and say, I don't like the way you operate. We need to change this. <laughs> and you might get either into a um, an indoctrination camp, I think they call them, or, you know, basically the old saying goes, you know, make your mind right. <laughs> but that's the point of this, is that to show, you know, looking at this preamble, we the people of the United States... You know, they, they're going into it and they're saying, we represent we represent the people. Now, you know, we all know slavery. We all know that people weren't were underrepresented during that time, if you will, whether they've been, um, you know, the black people that were there at the time, perhaps other ethnic ethnic ethnicities that were there at the time. I don't know that many were other than Caucasians of European or, you know, African descent. Perhaps there were some Asian or Indian descent people that were there. But for the most part, you know, these were these were white people, white men of that time, um, representing their different states, I'm sorry, colonies of the time. And they're saying that we, the people of the United States, of those colonies, in order to form a more perfect union, notice that it didn't say, um, in order to form a perfect union, but to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. See, they're they're doing it to do to form a more perfect union. Maybe a more to establish a more established justice and domestic tranquility. In other words, to me, they're not saying that we've got it all figured out. They're saying that we've done the research. And remember, these are guys coming from 1790-ish, 80s, and um 1770s and they're saying look these are smart good these are really these are some of the smartest men of the time they did their research they read through many things these were well educated men of the time and they knew good and well what they were looking at and doing and they said that we've done all the research that we can of systems of government 
And this is what we've come up with to be the way for us to be the most free and to continue to be the most free as time goes on for our next generations. We don't, in other words, we don't want to just think about the here and now. A lot of times that's what we do now. We think about the here and now. Can you say hello, budgets? Um, but they were thinking future. We're thinking, you know, if you're Ben Franklin or John Adams, which I recommend reading his biography um, by David McDonald, McConnell, and uh, you just learn that they were looking toward the future. They wanted, they were looking 150 plus, they were looking 100 years out, you know, knowing that times were going to be different by the time all that was established. So you move on and you say, provide for the common defense. They wanted to defend their new country, promote the general welfare. They wanted to take care of us and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Going back to what we said, they want to secure the blessings of liberty. You know, if you're not interested in liberty being free, securing the blessings of liberty, I mean, boy, to me that just goes along with... um, a self-conscious, your own, your own conscious to desire liberty, um, and pros and pros prosperity and even posterity. You know your future, your your kids' future. They do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America, and so they're saying that we want this to be in writing and be the law of the land. And I just look at that and I say thank you. I feel like a lot of times in today's society, we might want to just point out all the flaws of different founders, whether it be John Adams, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin. It's easy to look at the flaws of these men. It's easy to look at any flaw of any man, of me or anybody else in the world. But in this context, this time period, You and I, if you live in America and you enjoy these freedoms, you are getting the fruits of their labor. To this day, we're still enjoying the fruits of their labor. So anyway, that's just something I wanted to go through and talk about. I think about, uh, you know, one of the things that cracks me up is um, there's a great Andy Griffith episode where Barney tries to basically boast to Andy that, you know, he knows the constitution, <laughs> like the back of his hand is a great one to look up. And, you know, he's like, Andy is sitting there and he's, he's like, all right, we'll go ahead and tell it to me. And Barney's sits back and he's like, we, and he's all frustrated looking and he's got his head, hands in his head. And Andy's like, duh. And Barney's like, duh. We the and he looks at him and he's like, and Barney's like, he's like people, people, we the people. He just goes through line through line for about a whole first part, and Barney just cannot get it. And then finally, Andy just says each line, and Barney follows him. He's like, yeah, see, I got it. I knew it. I knew it all along. It's like, you know, it's in there like Fort Knox, basically. (laughs) And so. I don't know. Maybe this doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe the preamble of the Constitution means nothing. But if it does mean something to you, I think it would be a good practice to teach your children, to teach yourself, to maybe even memorize. Um, not to hold it as, you know, gospel truth, but maybe just to hold it in the thing that you like and understand. Anyways, thanks for joining me on Talk of the Now. 
podcast. Have a great day.